no one in our industry was talking about it. It was this like intentional blind spot, this really ugly thing that nobody was talking about. The real defining moment for me though, was I read a report that showed the top 25 most polluting companies in the world, and 14 of them were my customers. I have a seat at the table, they already trust us. If we could help change the behaviors of these large consumer products companies, maybe we could have a global impact. For me, it was a life purpose moment. Real quick note, my family and I just got back from an incredible cruise with UnCruise. Now we'd experienced what cruising was like on a big ship with thousands of people. And frankly, it just wasn't for us, but this one was completely different. It was a small boat of less than 100. We had an amazing time where we saw whales and other wildlife, inspiring nature, hiking, kayaking, and bushwhacking, which is hiking without the trails. And we received incredibly personalized service guides who get you off the beaten path and gorgeous sunsets. Everything was so easy and with no lines. They provided incredible meals, including sustainable seafood, not to mention a list of impressive cocktails. My wife, daughter, and I loved it. When we returned, I asked UnCruise to become a show sponsor, and I was excited when they agreed. Right now, they're offering special deals on cruises in Baja, Mexico, and Alaska that includes the incredible luxury, service, and adventure that we experience. To learn more, go to benleads.com slash cruise. That's benleads.com slash cruise for the latest deals. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode. Today, I have for you Wes Carter, who is president of Atlantic Packaging, the largest privately held industrial packaging company in North America. The company was started way back in 1946, and Wes is a third-generation leader to lead the company. He's also founder of A New Earth Project, a strategic collaboration between the packaging, supply chain, and the outdoor industry to rid the world's oceans, lakes, and rivers of plastic pollution. He also happens to be a passionate outdoorsman and father of twins based right here where I am in Charleston, South Carolina. Wes, welcome to lead the team, sir. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. So what is it like leading uh, a company that's been in your family for three generations? Oh, man, it has been such a privilege. Um, it, it really has been one of the great honors of my life. It took me a little while to find my rhythm. You know, when, you, when you're in a family company and work for your grandfather and your father and everybody has sort of the unique way of doing things, you know, it took mm -hmm. me a little while to figure out what my unique style of leadership was. But especially over the last six or eight years, I've really settled into that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the the organization has been an opportunity for really for me to express the things I'm passionate about um, in my personal life through my professional life. And um, yeah, I love what our company does and represents. And and we have wonderful people. I think that's probably the, the biggest benefit to me personally is I'm just surrounded by a lot of really amazing folks. Yeah, I was checking out in our research, the, the documentary on your website about your grandfather. And how he came from the the newspaper industry, right, in journalism, 
and he kind of mm -hmm. found his way into the packaging world. And it just sounds like, you know, you've each kind of put your own, your own twist on things, you know, as you've gone along and created such a, such an amazing organization. Yeah, it's been a, it's been interesting. My, my grandfather, I like to really think of kind of as the soul of the organization, you know, like mm. his, his mission in life and, and what he did uh, really early on. Uh, if you've seen that documentary or read, you know, my grandfather won a Pulitzer Prize in 1952 for meritorious public service for a campaign of fighting the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, he fought the Ku Klux Klan with his newspaper in, in, in a small town in North Carolina, and his efforts were, were recognized um, with, a, with a Pulitzer Prize. And, and you know, we're a lot different company, obviously, than a small weekly newspaper today, but it really established the core values of our organization. Mm -hmm. and, and so, like, I like, like I said, I like to think of that sort of as the soul of Atlantic. And then yeah. my father, my father, Rusty, took over in, in the early 70s and just a, a fabulous entrepreneur and, and a super sophisticated business mind. And, and my dad really grew the company from a small little regional company to a, to a major national and, and now global uh, packaging presence. And, and, you know, it's, it's sort of my turn to, to lead uh, the organization and I'm a really passionate outdoor person. And um, so I've really taken on the mantle of, of sustainability uh, being the mission of our organization and, feels like I'm channeling my grandfather's energy a little bit. Um, mm. You know, it, it feels a, like a very ethical and, and moral mission, um, given the challenges we have in today's world with the environmental crisis that we face. Yeah. So let's, let's sort of deep dive on that, because when you hear largest privately held industrial packaging company, you don't think sustainability, right? Because more packaging means more sales and revenue. And you're you're one of the biggest, and here you come with the sustainability, you know, angle. Mm -hmm. What was the moment where you said, "Okay, yes, this is I'm president of a packaging company," but when you think about this a little differently, yeah, you know, I tell people a lot. It was not a strike of lightning. It was really uh, over several years. I, you know. I Sort of equated it to like a spiritual awakening on some level. Hmm. For most of my early career, you know, sustainability, environmentally friendly packaging was not even on my radar. I mean, it was just, hey, I'm I've joined a family company and we're pretty good at what we do, and I'm you know learning to sell packaging and and and, and lead an organization, and then that was my primary focus. Now, my father's vision for Atlantic had always been to be more than just a commodities broker. And so a lot of the early value proposition that really started in the mid-90s for us was about helping our customers with packaging efficiency. So, you know, our value proposition would be we work with large manufacturers and teach them through technology, equipment technology, materials technology, a high level of technical support to use the least amount of packaging possible, primarily to save money. Uh, and we also mm -hmm. focused a lot on damage in the supply chain. You know, a lot of organizations don't use packaging very well and they have a lot of damage. And so if you worked with Atlantic, we helped you with packaging optimization and efficiency for cost savings and to reduce break damage and loss. And that was kind of our, our value proposition. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, that was what I grew up with and leaned into. And it's still the cornerstone of who we are today. 
but I, I'm long been an out. I grew up as an outdoor person. I mean, my, my father was an outdoor person. My grandfather was an outdoor person. And I mean, I grew up as an Eagle Scout. I grew up at Riceville Beach, North Carolina, and like to say saltwater was really the backdrop of my life, surfing and fishing. And when I, when I got out of college, I lived out West in Utah and I worked in the outdoor industry, selling skis and snowboards and mountain bikes. And so that has always kind of been foundational for my personal life. Mm. And I guess it was probably six or eight years ago, eight or 10 years ago, I was, you know, traveling a lot in my spare time to go to surf destinations and fishing destinations around the world. And I just started to see more and more plastic pollution in particular, but also the impacts of climate change. And, you know, I started to have the realization that a lot of the pollution that I was seeing was packaging. It wasn't all packaging that I sell, but there was this sort of realization that this problem is being created by the supply chain that I'm a part of. And I also, you know, was reflecting that no one in our industry was talking about it. You know, like it was this like intentional blind spot, this really ugly thing that nobody was talking about. And, you know, the the real defining moment for me, though, was I read a report that showed the top 25 most polluting companies in the world, and 14 of them were my customers. And what it was for me was I saw an opportunity. I said, well, you know, if if the, these top 25 companies, if 14 of them are customers of mine, where I have a seat at the table, I have influence, they already trust us with their packaging needs, maybe if we as an organization began to work with those companies to help them alleviate these problems and help to innovate new packaging products that were more environmentally friendly, that were also economical for them to implement. If we could help change the behaviors of these large consumer products companies, maybe we could have a global impact and maybe all this pollution that I'm seeing, our little Atlantic packaging could, could have play a pivotal part in, in, in turning the tide. And that was a strike of lightning when all those pieces kind of fit together like a puzzle. You know, it was a for me, it was a life purpose moment. You know, I I really I saw that this is what I'm I'm meant to do. This is what our organization is meant to do. And I sat down with our leadership and I said, guys, I I really believe sustainable packaging and using the the technical resources of our company, the innovative spirit of our company to channel that into something that I believe is truly good and truly ethical. That was a big moment. And and my leadership, you know, by and large said, yeah, we agree with you. Let's do this. And um, we've never looked back. Wow. So inspiring. And it, that's the first step of leadership is declaring a vision. Now you're in the interesting place where you're declaring a vision, a bigger vision for a company that's been around a long time. And when you went in and you shared this vision, What did you do to, or how did you think about enrolling others in it to get on board? Because I suspect there's a lot of organizational change that has to happen, messaging, branding, but it probably trickled throughout the entire company. How'd you approach it? You know, I, you know, I discussed with our leadership that our value proposition had always been, you know, 
uh, grounded in innovation. You know, like we we separated ourselves from our competitors. We you know attracted customers because we had this really sophisticated, highly technical value proposition. Mm-hmm. And I said, guys, this is not a departure from that. It actually is an act of. It's a further activation of that because now. Yeah. We are looking at all of these products that we sell. We are getting super analytical, you know, as opposed to just focusing on are these packaging products functional? Now we're going to take it a step further and say, what is the end of life for these products? Do do these products have an opportunity to end up in the environment? You know, what lane are they traveling? Is this business to business packaging or is this business to consumer packaging. And with the e-commerce explosion over the last decade, more and more of the packaging that we were selling was going direct to consumer. And we know that the the, the leakage numbers uh, into the environment when it's direct to consumer is a lot higher. So I was like, guys, we're going to get super analytical about all these products. And then we're going to determine which ones are the most problematic environmentally. And we're going to begin to target those. And we're going to innovate new packaging materials. And so our leadership love that, you know, like, you know, innovating is fun. Mm-hmm. Creating is fun. I mean, I think it, you, you tap into the human spirit. I think whether you're a, an artist or a musician or an architect or a packaging salesman, if you have the opportunity to create, that just connects us to the essence of what we are. And so this to me was an opportunity for us to express creativity, you know, in our professional work. And so, by and large, my my leadership really loved that. Now that there were there's obviously challenges. You know, there's certain products in the supply chain that are highly functional that there weren't you know obvious drop in replacements, and 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 that's still true today. Um, mm-hmm. So the the innovation is is ongoing, but we um, again, like I like I mentioned, it it didn't feel as much like a departure from who we'd always been. It just felt like we were taking the essence of Atlantic, which was a highly innovative spirit, and channeling it in a certain direction. And the cool thing was, well, I guess it depends on your perspective, there was not a lot of innovation being done in that direction. So the landscape was wide open, you know, which allowed us to be really creative. And it also, you know, the the tagline um, that I coined early on is we do this together. You know, because I also recognize that like Atlantic's just one organization. We don't have the ability to change an entire global supply chain on our own. We can be a catalyst. You know, we can certainly be a catalyst, but this requires partnership with our suppliers, with our customers, with governments. You know, it's going to require the talents and literally the gifts from, from everybody. But what we were trying to do is coalesce that energy in a specific direction towards environmentally friendly, healthier packaging, you know, uh, uh, create a healthier supply chain. I love that. And there's so many things. So I'm experiencing what you're talking. I'm experiencing your story like a Pixar movie. There's like multiple <laughs> levels to what's going on. At a very granular level for leaders that are stepping in to lead a team or they need to make change, one of the things that you did that I think is so terrific is you you found a linkage to the current vision. So it wasn't like they were starting a brand new or a complete departure. This was sort of like an evolution of the vision that the company was founded upon. So they felt that connection. And I also feel like you discovered your own personal energy towards this because listening to you talk about it, I mean, it makes me want to sign up (laughs) and I don't even need packaging, but you know, um, well, maybe I do, but I, you know, I'll tell you, um, I think 
a lot of that comes from the 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 authenticity that you bring because you shared your personal story about living in Utah, surfing around the world, fishing, seeing the pollution. And it sounds like it was a really heartfelt connection for you. So you made all those linkages. And so you go in and you talk to your board and your company. No wonder they got on board pretty quickly. Now, advancing that, your position is complicated because you've, like you say, you're part of the supply chain. And someone might say, hey, Wes, you know, my company, like we don't want that newfangled earth-friendly stuff recycled. We want the good old-fashioned stuff that we know works, that people love, that reduces damages. When you hear that, how do you how do you navigate that con- that, that conversation? You know, at the end of the day, the thing that is going to drive change more than any other single thing is the voice of the people. And, hmm. you know, I remind our customers um, and, and really promote this as often as I possibly can that, you know, today millennials, you know, have more buying power than any other demographic on the planet. And in a lot of recent surveys, you know, millennials value sustainability more than brand. Sustainability is fundamental to their buying decisions. And for anybody that has teenage kids or kids in college, like ask them how they feel about environmental issues. Ask them how they feel about sustainability, and you'll find that it's overwhelming. And so if you are a large retail brand or a consumer products company, you know, you're always focused on what do our consu- what do our, our customers want? You know, what, what do our consumers demand? And so my perspective is today, sustainability is a brand attribute. And, you know, when, when a package shows up to your house, we as consumers are judging the companies we buy those products from ethically on how it's packaged. And if it's really overpackaged and it's a lot of single-use plastic, and especially younger consumers are looking at that and going, I'm not sure I want to shop with this company. And the supply chain is waking up to that uh, in a huge way, actually. Mm-hmm. And we have some very large e-com retail customers, uh, big organizations that anyone listening would know that have made the strategic decisions to eliminate all single-use plastic packaging, as an example, for more fiber-based alternatives that are curbside recyclable and earth digestible, mm. solely based on, uh, on a marketing initiative. They they want to show their customers that these are our, our environmental ethics as an organization. Our packaging shows that. Mm. And so, you know, again, there are organizations that are slower to move. Companies that don't have as much direct consumer facing tend to be slower. You know, there's a lot of pressure on all organizations in the supply chain to have, you know, climate policies and plastic reduction policies. And, you know, you hear a lot in the world of politics, you know, about ESG and things like that. And on some level, what the politicians say is a little irrelevant because the supply chain has made a decision that this is important. And um, so there's a a lot of um, policing of environmental policies and programs uh, just, you know, within the supply chain. You know, if you want to do business with some of these big consumer products companies, you better have these policies in place or you can't get in the front door. I sense you spend a lot of time talking about that. You've got data. You've got the passion, the story. 
And I think that's what it takes for leaders to really understand the bigger picture uh, versus just saying, hey, it's the right thing to do. Yes, we may think it's the right thing to do, but you have people that are making big buying decisions for companies and they're looking at the bottom line. And I think there's this yin and yang, like if they don't understand how it's good for the, the bottom line of their organization, it's hard for them to make big decisions. And it sounds like you've really thought yeah, that through to help them do that. You know, and I, I tell people all the time, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm privately held. So, you know, it's a little different for me, but, you know, profit optimization is not my goal as an organization. And I really don't think that, that should be the goal of any organization. I think that's what's gotten into us into this mess is we've got a system that the, we got a system that values companies almost entirely on bottom line performance, you know? And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at a lot of the environmental, as a, just an example, uh, issues that we've seen over the last 50 years, in almost every case, it was a company trying to cut corners to save money. And the, yeah, make the, the numbers. you know, make the numbers polluting for- our water tables, yeah. you know, polluting our water tables, you know, chemical pollution, clear cutting forests, like all of those things have been driven by a myopic view of the only thing that matters is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And I think if I could, if I could put it out there for, you know, the, the, the supply chain and our, our our whole economic system has to evolve. We've got to, you know, I like to say a lot, like life has to have a seat at the table. Like healthy life has to have a prominent seat at the table. And when we're making decisions about how we do business and how we purchase products and how we dispose of products and how things travel through the supply chain, we always have to acknowledge how is this going to impact life? How is this going to impact healthy life? And if it's going to be really negative, then we have to we have to you know take a pullback and say there needs to be a better way to do this. And again, like I mentioned earlier, with with how I approach my leadership, I don't think we're talking about an overhaul of our economic system. I think we're just talking about a pivot, and we're you know we're evolving what what what's valuable in our world. And to me, like healthy life needs to be at the top of the list. Hmm. Another inspired point there. When you're talking to a leader of a sort of mid-level leader or chief procurement officer or something like that of an organization, and you say healthy life, I think, and you're out and you're having coffee with them, they're going to nod their head. But maybe, and they agree, what are the talking points that you help them with when they're trying to navigate that bigger conversation? in an organization that they don't measure healthy life or they don't really, that's not really a topic of conversation that often. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a, like I said, it, it is an evolution. I do understand that all organizations, you know, if, if we're not profitable, then we don't have an organization, you know? So like, you know, profit's not a dirty word. I don't, I don't mean it in that sense. I mean, we all have to be and profitable, me included, you know, like I'm, I'm all about our organization being highly profitable, you know, and again, it, where, where the conversation inevitably leads is innovation, you know, like how do we create innovative products that honor healthy life 
but also are economically viable. And I do say this a lot. There's a lot of products that come to me that folks want us to sell, and they're not economically viable. They may be incredibly environmentally friendly, and I'm super stoked on that, but they're not economically viable. And I tell the companies I'm, I'm dealing with, like, that product, it's not sustainable because no one's going to buy it. You know, like, you, if, if, if no one's going to purchase it, Without it's not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. So it's why at Atlantic, we spent so much time not only developing environmentally friendly packaging, but in developing environmentally friendly and economically viable packaging. And so th- that's a that's a big piece of it. You know, you, you've got to find products that fit the needs of the supply chain. And that's why this process, you're not going to snap your fingers and fix it overnight. You know, it is a it is an evolution. But the good news is, at least in packaging, you have a pretty wide range of different types of packaging for different types of applications. And as an example, in the world of protective packaging, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting a package to your house and the stuff that's inside of the box that just keeps the products from getting damaged, mm-hmm. that's pretty low-hanging fruit. You know, like there's a lot of viable alternatives. And so to me, like e-commerce packaging is a real obvious place that mm-hmm. we can get fully sustainable really quickly. When you look at food packaging, direct food contact, that's more complicated. You know, food packaging, especially, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of plastic is is critical for food safety and critical for shelf life. You know, so mm-hmm. those are areas that are going to take longer to innovate. But again, my premise is we've got to begin to acknowledge that that the products that we bring to market, the environmental impact has to be a huge part of the discussion. Well, that's what leaders do. They introduce new conversations. And this conversation around packaging and the way you're you're presenting it may not be happening. And the leaders and you know in our audience, that's they they like these conversations to introduce because that's what they do. A lot of times these things are not being had in the organization. Are you looking to increase sales, grow your brand, and share your leadership message? Then check out our business podcast program. Each week, more people listen to podcasts than have Netflix accounts, and one-third of the U.S. population listens to podcasts regularly. So, your customers and team are already listening to podcasts. It should be yours. Discover our five-step profitable podcast framework and what results you can expect for your company by setting up a 20-minute call with my team at benleads.com slash schedule. That's benleads.com slash schedule. For a leader who wants to introduce the conversation around more sustainable packaging, what are some questions that they need to be thinking about? You know, the if you if you're an organization that wants to embrace sustainability and you want to bring sustainable solutions into your organization, the the first thing you have to really look at is where where are my products in the supply chain you know are the products that we are selling going direct to consumers because if they are then you have to acknowledge what is the end of life most likely end of life scenario for those products and it's because one of the reasons consumer in- means that people are getting them in their house and they're not thinking about necessarily how to handle these things coming in to their home they're just putting them in the recycling bin Exactly. It's 
to me, like it's why I promote a lot with our e-commerce customers mm-hmm. is as is, is much paper packaging, fiber-based paper packaging as you can implement, the better. Because we recycle paper in this country really well. Every blue bin program in America recycles paper because there's, a, there's an economic incentive. The big paper companies own a lot of the recycling centers because they want the fiber back. We have an economic right. structure that, you know, Single-use plastic, not so much, you know, not so much. So anytime we can replace single-use plastic with fiber, we have the built-in infrastructure to deal with it. So mm-hmm. that's a real obvious thing to look at. You know, if if a lot of the products that you're shipping are business-to-business, you know, then, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking more about how we create closed loops. And as an example, um, Atlantic sells a lot of stretch film. And stretch film is that clear film that wraps mm-hmm. around pallets. It is the primary packaging for almost all goods sold anywhere in the world. And it's highly, highly innovative product. It's super efficient, but very little is recycled. You know, in North America, we utilize somewhere around two and a half billion pounds of stretch film annually and less than 5% is recycled. And so that was a land where I said, you know, we don't have a fiber-based solution to replace stretch film. And we probably aren't going to have one anytime soon. Mm -hmm. That product is so innovative and so efficient. But what we could do is recycle a lot more. So Atlantic, as an example, we invested in recycling equipment that we're actually just starting up right now. And we're working with some major beverage companies to take their used stretch film, bring it back to Atlantic, flake it, melt it, and create resin, uh, recycled resin that can be then used again. So it's not always, it doesn't always have to end up in a residential blue bin program. I believe the private sector can create a lot of these closed loops. Just honestly, I think the trick is you've got to begin to take responsibility for the products you sell beyond the sale. If the products that I am selling have the opportunity to end up as pollution, then I have an inherent responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen. And that's a new paradigm. That's a new paradigm. In our new world. mindset. And most, yeah. Once I sell the product, I'm done. Th- that to me doesn't work. Well, a great message and a really powerful way for leaders to be thinking about it. Introduce that question. Yeah. What's our responsibility after this thing is sold? It goes out the door. What's the end of life look like? And have your company start kicking around that conversation. And starting to wrap this up here, what is a new earth project? Or what is a new, a new earth project? <laughs> yeah, a new earth project yeah. is, uh, is, a pa- is a passion project that we, we developed uh, back in 2020. You know, as this whole thing around sustainability was really taking root in our organization, you know, I was speaking pretty loudly out there in the world about, you know, what I felt like the supply chain needed to do and, and how important I thought sustainable packaging was. And one idea that we had is what better industry to activate sustainability than the outdoor industry? I used to work in the outdoor industry. I love the outdoor industry. Traditionally for Atlantic, that wasn't a vertical that was large enough that I would have paid a lot of attention to. Mm. Uh, you know, we're working in the food industry, the beverage industry, building products. The outdoor industry was 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 small for, you know, tr- that I would traditionally look at at Atlantic. However, the the idea was if we would embrace the outdoor industry, give them all the resources of Atlantic, help them make these transitions to a fully sustainable packaging profile, you know, and then 
ask that outdoor industry to let us tell their stories uh, through media and video and social media, maybe that would be a way to activate this, this initiative and set the example for all other organizations. I'm a lifelong surfer. I'm a very average surfer, but I love it. And surfing for me was where the some of this originally sparked. I mean, seeing plastic in the ocean where I was surfing was a piece of it. And so a friend of mine in in, in Idaho who's um who's in the branding and marketing industry connected me with a guy named Peter King, uh, who is a photographer and, and documentarian uh, on the North Shore of Oahu. And Peter's got a lot of connections in the professional surfing community. And he and I hatched up this idea uh, of engaging the the surfing vertical to really lead a sustainable revolution. And I just finished reading Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, which blew okay. my mind. Mm-hmm. And so A New Earth Project was born um, from that book. And for the first, you know, for the first year of A New Earth Project, we we created the first ever fully sustainable surfboard shipping system. Traditionally, surfboards were shipped with a lot of plastic, bubble wrap, and foam. was not very efficient, tough to pack, slow, a lot of damage. Um, and we, at our Packaging Solutions Center in Charlotte, we developed a fiber-based, fully curbside recyclable, plastic-free uh, surfboard shipping system called the S3. We worked with John Pazel from Pazel Surfboards initially. And uh, it's been a big success. We documented the whole thing and created a, a documentary called Journey to a New Earth. Uh, Journey to a New Earth is eight episodes. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, season one is on Amazon Prime today, and you can check it out. It tells that whole story. And we work with people like Kelly Slater and Kai Lenny and Carissa Moore and a lot of uh, famous pro surfers who who were really endorsing what we were doing. And uh, we've been in the process of making season two of Journey to a New Earth um, with our anchor customer being Burton Snowboards. Oh, um, and we, Vermont, we've been helping right? Burton. Yep, Burlington, Vermont. So we've been working up there. Uh, they they've got a packaging engineer named Mitch Ravito, who's been a big fan of what we're doing, and um, and Burton's really committed to having a fully sustainable packaging profile. And so we've documented that whole thing for the last year, and uh, we hope that that'll come out first of the year. So, oh, um, yeah, New Earth Project is just a, a an initiative uh, between the packaging supply chain and the outdoor industry to to rid the world's ocean lakes and rivers of plastic pollution. Well. Wrapping this up, great job at A West. I think your message, man, I experienced it in so many different ways. This last project you're you're working on is literally the cherry on top of the whole interview because it's taking your vision from your company and spreading it in a positive way uh, across industries. Across, I mean, just making it, I guess, so much more accessible too. People can watch at home. I love the idea of a kid being able to, they may not really get this whole packaging industry idea, but they can watch, you know, your, your thing on Amazon and, and bring it all back home on how, how this works with surfing. And uh, I think the snowboard. Well, and, and, and it's, surfing allowed us to make packaging sexy and that's really okay. hard to do. That's a better way to say <laughs> like, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, know, interesting. And that was and part of part of my premise is this what I call the sustainable revolution. This can be our generation's moon landing. I mean, this can be the thing that mm. all over the world, our generation wakes up to the environmental impact that we're having and commits to make this shift. And I really believe over the next six or eight or ten years, we can see dramatic improvements in plastic pollution because if we can fix the supply chain, we can solve this problem. 
And to me, like from a legacy perspective, you know, something that we leave for our children and our grandchildren and our grandchildren's grandchildren. I mean, this can be a defining moment for our generation. And I really believe it's possible. Uh, And we as an organization are just trying to be a catalyst for that sustainable revolution. And a new earth project was just a way to say this can be awesome. You know, like this can be really awesome and really fun. And uh, let's get everybody on board. Thanks for coming on today, Wes. Been a pleasure. Would you or your CEO be a good fit for this podcast? If you know a uniquely talented leader who has a story to share and a message to deliver, then we'd love to host them on the show. Go to benleads.com slash apply to fill out a quick form where you can let us know a little bit about yourself and my team will take a look to see if we're a good fit. That's benleads.com slash apply. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.